Welcome to Health, Harmony, and Happiness with Kathy. I'm your host, Kathy Stricker. In my personal life, I am a wife to a dedicated law enforcement officer and mama to three lively littles. I'm an adamantine yoga teacher, health coach, community betterment advocate, and wellness enthusiast. But what I really like doing is connecting others with tools and resources that bring about health, harmony, and happiness. Whatever this looks like to you, I'm here to offer my own insights and tools from others that allow you to realize your full potential to live mindfully as your authentic best self. Allow me to be a guide in discovering what works for you. Hey friends, today I'm visiting with my friend Kelly McCormick, who is out of the Kansas City area. She is an anxiety and life coach, as well as an adamantine yoga teacher. So I've known her for years and always enjoy our conversations. Today we're going to talk a little bit about her journey with adamantine yoga and how she also uses it as a point of reference with her coaching clients. Kelly is also the host of the Transforming Anxiety podcast, which you can find on your favorite podcast listening app. Kelly's got a lot of good insights to share with you, so I hope you enjoy the show. All right. So how did you discover adamantine yoga? Oh, gosh. Have we ever talked about this? This is a lengthy answer. <laughs> a little bit, but I don't think a whole lot. So okay. well, do I'll tell. Make it- I'll make it as, as short as I can. <laughs> so I live three hours away from Adamantine and James and the studio. I'm in Kansas City. And um, I had been practicing yoga for years and years and was really ready to take my yoga practice to the next level. And I wanted to get certified as a teacher and I wanted to teach. I was really ready to start teaching. It wasn't just about the certification. What style of yoga were you practicing? Anything in particular? Mainly vinyasa and ashtanga. So I went, you know, different studios in town and that was readily available here in Kansas City. And so it felt like it was a little more powerful and a little bit more, quote unquote, advanced, for lack of a better word. Um, It felt like it was a great workout. It felt like it was meeting me where I was at energetically. And um, yeah, so that's how I... I was, yeah, that's a good question though. Vinyasa and and Ashtanga for sure is what I was practicing almost exclusively at that point. Which kind of makes sense then as to why adamantine resonates with you because it's derived from Ashtanga. So totally, you have it. Totally. And I had practiced my sore classes. I had practiced lead primary series classes. There's a fantastic Ashtanga studio here in town. That's pretty hardcore. Um, so yeah, coming into adamantine wasn't like <laughs> culture shock sure. um, to see the guided self-practice model and um, and the level of intensity. None of that was shocking to me. That was welcome. That was fantastic. But even before I knew what it was going to be, because adamantine wasn't, it was like such a baby thing when I started. So I, like I said, was seeking out a yoga teacher training. And I looked around Kansas City, and at the time, there were a couple, none to be named, (laughs) um, (laughs) yoga teacher trainings that felt very corporate, and they felt very, um, you know, you give us $3,000 and show up for a couple of weeks, and you too can be a yoga teacher. There was no vetting. There was no, um, it just felt very, like, like a money-making venture for somebody. It didn't feel like a connection between a teacher and a student who was becoming a teacher. It didn't feel like we were furthering the industry of yoga. It didn't feel like we were bettering the offering of yoga and what we were giving to students who were brand new and who were coming in and and didn't know. Um, So I kind of looked around Kansas city and I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So then I started thinking to myself, what's the alternative, right? That I take myself off to like Bali or Costa Rica and I, you know, then you take your like $3,000 admission plus whatever. Right. right. Travel, <laughs> travel, stay, everything. Yeah. Right. Like some remote island. And at the time I had two babies. I had a two-year-old and an infant. And I was like, okay, 
clearly that's not going to work either. That's just not my right <laughs> in this amazing world where I have all the money in the world and nannies <laughs> and people that can follow me wherever I go. Sure, it'll work, but in Kansas right. City right now, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't my reality. And to be honest with you, I've always wanted to be the person who wants to go to India or to Bali or to Costa Rica. I'm not. I'm really not. Like, I'm fine being in Kansas City. I'm fine staying in the Midwest. Yeah. I'm fine not doing that. That's so interesting. And good to hear. Yeah. Like, I think maybe someday it'll be fun. I don't know. But it's not, like, I never felt like that was a necessary part of the path ever, ever. Uh So then I kind of was like, all right, so strike two. Now what am I going to do? So then I started really limiting myself to the Midwest, what teachers were available to me in the Midwest. And I had previously lived in Chicago. So I knew that there were amazing studios and amazing teachers in Chicago. And that kind of piqued my interest. I knew people there that felt feasible, but then I happened across the, um, what was it called at that point? The Iowa city yoga festival, Mm -hmm. I think is probably what it was named. Yep. And this had been on my radar a little bit because, again, it felt like it was close enough but far enough that it would feel retreaty but without going crazy. Um, So it had been on my radar to try the festival, which I ironically have never been to and never done. But, yeah, I could probably tell you – I mean, I for sure could tell you some of the teachers who were in the Iowa City Yoga Festival lineup at that point because that's when I was really getting into yoga in a totally different – like more than a – like being a tourist at different yoga studios and just trying different local teachers and stuff. So point of that story was to tell you that James Miller, of course, was the producer and founder of the Iowa city yoga festival. And he was deeply involved with it at that point. And so then I got kind of turned on to what he was doing. And at the time he was still teaching vinyasa type yoga teacher training. That was still, he didn't, have a studio. He was living in Des Moines. He didn't have his own studio, but he was teaching. That was his, he, he had the festival and he taught yoga teacher training. That was his Mm -hmm. business model at the point. So I contacted him and I was like, Hey, you know, I would really like to come up and work with you for a weekend or a class or whatever workshop and just get to know you. I'm searching for a yoga teacher, like the, the yoga teacher that takes me to the next level. Like I was kind of searching for that guru disciple relationship. And, you know, I was, I was basically like, are you the guy? Are you the teacher? I want a chance to try you out. So he was having, and keep in mind, he was still doing the vinyasa yoga teacher training, right? But he had his first, maybe, I don't think it was his only, but it was one of very few (laughs) weekend long adamantine immersion weekends where Mm -hmm. you learned, like we all came into it knowing nothing about adamantine. And so we started out Saturday morning and all day Saturday, all day Sunday, we learned the entire sequence. We learned all the choreography and to the best of our ability, because it was a hot mess, right? I mean, it was literally like a tap dance class where somebody (laughs) would teach you like the first, you know, however many beats and then everybody would try it and it would be a disaster, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It was like, I've been to many group fitness Um, trainings like that. Yes, I know. (laughs) And he would just turn on the metronome and he'd be like, okay, let's just see how it goes. Right. And it would not go well. Um, but that's his famous thing. Let's just see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Great. Thanks for teaching us that way. But that's how we learned. I feel like how it goes for sure. Okay. So yeah, that is how we learn. Because I can remember, so that was all day Saturday, all day Sunday. I came back and then, you know, drove home to Kansas City, three hours in the car after two days of yoga and having my ego involved and trying (laughs) to be like really amazing. And I like could not walk on Monday. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) sore. But I can remember going. So at this point I had two babies. I had not, I had stopped going to yoga studios because that wasn't in the schedule anymore. I was practicing yoga by DVD um, in the basement (laughs) first thing in the morning. And I walked downstairs that Monday morning and I stopped in the middle of the room and I thought to myself, I can either turn on this DVD that I love, like this teacher that I love, this DVD, she'll just walk me through it. And she talks very sweetly to me and she's 
lovely. She's wonderful. Or I could try this new, totally weird (laughs) thing that I just learned. Try to put myself through it. Like I had the manual open on the floor, right? I can try to put myself through these postures and just, again, see how it goes, right? And I can remember having this thought that like, if I don't do it now, when it's still super fresh and I'm still just coming off of this weekend and I can still feel that yoga literally in my muscles because I'm so sore, when am I going to do it? Like what's ever going to make me flip, right? This DVD is always going to be here, but this is fresh. This is new. I'm going to try this. And I kind of told myself, I'm going to give myself the next month daily of practicing this way. And I'm just going to see how I feel. And if I hate it, I'll go back to the DVD. It's always going to be there. I'll have it forever. Yeah. And if I love it, then who knows? Right? Right. So that's how I found, was that the question? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. (laughs) Don't you feel like, I want to go back to this point that you just made about how you had the choice to either decide to learn something that was still relatively fresh in your mind and fresh in your body or go back to the same old. What was the tipping point that made you say, I'm going to try something new? Because I think a lot of people get stuck in that. Like they come to their first day or two of their free week of class and they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm so confused. How can I continue on to do an entire week of this when I'm seriously don't know what I'm doing? And it's, is it even going to make a difference or is it, you know, what, why wouldn't I just go back to sleeping in and not feeling my best self because I'm sore right now and I don't want to keep moving my body, even though that's what is going to help with that. What made you decide, no, I'm going to try something new because it is still fresh in my mind. I think that's one of the things that people sometimes set aside is that when they come to class for the first one or two times, it's, new and they don't know it exactly and they they can't expect to know it overnight but they do and then when they don't know it it still is somewhat fresh in their mind even if you know they say oh I'm going to I'm not going to go the next day or I'm going to skip a day yeah i think that's a great question i think this is a really important thing to talk about where not only adamantine is concerned but where commitment is concerned mm-hmm. because So for me personally, I think there was this hunch and I don't think this was super conscious in that moment in the basement on that Monday morning, but I think I had this gut hunch that what I had been doing and all of the past yoga and all of my past experience, it was fun. It was sort of pretty. It was, it definitely made me feel better, right? It made me feel closer to this higher, better version of myself. It made me a better person throughout the day. I knew it was working, but I also really, and again, I don't think this was super conscious. I think I recognized that there was something really haphazard about my approach to bettering myself. And although I would never dismiss the power of yoga in any shape or form, and what that can do for a person. Yoga is not a sprint. Yoga is not an overnight quick fix. Yoga is not um, something that works quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm sure that you've had this experience. People will come into yoga and they'll be like, I want to know that this is going to work. I want to know that this is going to make me feel better. I want to know that this is going to help me lose weight. I want to know that this is going to help me relieve stress. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, you are going to work. You're going to bring yoga along for the ride, right? You're going to put yourself through these wacky poses. You're going to commit. But no, yoga doesn't work. You work. And I think I had this inkling that if I was going to commit to changing myself in a way that, like if I was envisioning myself as a future yoga teacher, And that I was holding space for people to really transform their lives through the vehicle of yoga that I needed to commit in a totally different way than I had been committing. And everything that had gotten me to that point, that moment, that Monday morning in my basement was great. It was wonderful. 
and it wasn't going to take me where I wanted to go. Like I needed to get, I needed to create change in order to change. And this was a change that, (laughs) I mean, it's so funny to think of now because like now you and I have what, six, seven years of experience with adamantine to reflect back on, to know like, oh my gosh, best decision ever. But it's so funny to think of it from the perspective of not knowing. Yeah. And, and there was like a blind faith. There was a like, no, I mean, kind of like James said, like, let's just see what happens. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to turn on the metronome and we'll we'll see what happens. And we talked about this, James and I did, is that you can't go into this practice with an expectation or any yoga practice for that matter, with an expectation of, I want to become a more peaceful person, or I want to become, um, I want my mind to be quieter. You can say that that's, that's what you want, but there's no timetable that's going to tell you, yes, practice six days a week for <laughs> six months and you will achieve this. If you only. can't. It's just this gradual change that happens over time. Yeah. And you don't yeah. realize that the change is happening until you're put in social situations where you're a different person. You respond mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think... Yeah. Um, as a teacher, it's interesting to watch students then and to see that change and to see that over time, they become so fun. unique people. It's so, so fun. Well, they're unique people when they come in, but you know, they just change who they are, whether they're super motivated in type A and they kind of mellow out a little bit <laughs> right. right here <laughs> or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We've all got those little things. Why do you think this practice works? Oh, I like this. I've thought a lot about this. And for the record, I didn't know what you were going to ask me. So I kind of for doing this on the fly. (laughs) This is totally off the cuff. But I have thought a lot about this question because why does it work? Like why, you know, I mean, that was six years ago that I had that, well, almost seven years, it's six and a half years ago now that I've been practicing yoga or practicing adamantine. And um, yeah, why does it work, right? Why do, like, what is, what's, why adamantine versus anything else? Is that kind of what you're Mm -hmm. asking? Exactly. So here's, and I've got this weird um, extra layer of being away from the studio and of having an individual solo practice, but I don't think that's been a bad thing for me at all. Um, I think what's worked with adamantine for me and what I think works for people is the level of commitment that's layered into the sequence, the tenets, the um, the expectations of the postures, like that you're not going to accidentally grow into a better version of yourself, right? No. You're not going right. to accidentally do the splits one day. You're not going to accidentally master handstands. None of that's going to happen without a serious amount of commitment and a serious amount of showing up. And I think what um, adamantine does above and beyond anything else I've ever tried yoga-wise, and I've tried a a lot of stuff. I've been practicing yoga for, I don't even know, 20 years now, more than that, Um, is that there's like the layers that are built into this, it's so much more than it looks like. It's so much more than moving your, your body through 20 poses. Right. You know, right. The level of integrity, the level of nonviolence, the level of like gratitude and I mean, and surrender, like showing up for all of that every day. It's a lot, right? The amount of work that's, that's, kind of demanded of you, the commitment level demanded of you to participate, I think is, it holds a space for you to really up-level yourself that I think other things, when there's too much hand-holding or too much coddling and too much like, now we're just going to rest or too much talk about esoteric new age woo nonsense, (laughs) um, that, you know, like we don't need to speak in Sanskrit. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You don't don't have to chant. And I'm not saying that any of that's bad, right? Like that can be lovely and that can be really helpful and cathartic to people. I'm not, I don't mean to dismiss that, 
But as it turns out, we can show up and, you know, practice this in a way that's super practical and super pragmatic. There's a step-by-step process for each pose. There's a step-by-step process for the sequence. There's a step-by-step process for not only moving from beginner to intermediate to advanced, but like to master adamantine yoga. Right. I don't think, you know, like if you show up for that, if you commit to that, you're going to become a different, higher, better version of yourself. Right. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Right. So what happens when you get to the point or when someone gets to the point that they are too busy, too busy in quotes, or they um, are tired or they don't want to get out of bed to come, you know, where does that internal drive or where does that motivation come from to continue on? Let's talk about busyness. Okay. This is like my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> Me too. In the world. Me too. <laughs> right? Me too. Uh, okay. Nobody's busy. You're not busy. I'm I not know. busy. Nobody ever. <laughs> Nobody's busy ever. Ever. It's such a cop out yep. response. Oh my like, gosh. Oh, so you're busy or what what's what have you been up to lately? Oh, I'm just busy. Busy. But with what? Like it's fine. You're choosing right? to, to put those things in your schedule. hundred percent, hundred percent. So it becomes a matter of like, who do you want to be? And how do you, how do you want to organize and prioritize your life? So nobody would ever say that they were like too tired or too busy to eat dinner, right? They're not too <laughs> tired or too busy to feed their kids, right? You're not Sometimes too I tired want to be. Sure. But guess what? You show up anyway, don't you? Exactly. (laughs) Because you've prioritized. And it's like when we treat something like movement and yoga and working out and exercise and paying attention to what's going on in our minds, it's like this is as important as food. It's as important as sleep. It's as important as paying my, it's more important than all of that stuff. (laughs) It's, up there with the most non-negotiable of the non-negotiables. And it's funny that you asked this. I was just talking with a client earlier today who was, you know, and I'm really trying to get her on a, like, you've got to be moving your body 30 minutes a day. Just walk, just put on your shoes and go walk 30 minutes a day. That's it. Right. She's like, how am I going to fit that in? I was like, no, 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 we don't fit it in. It's what you do. And then everything else fits in. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, like, nobody has time to have a baby. Am I right, Kathy? (laughs) You're so right. (laughs) This was not in the plan. (laughs) I didn't have time to do this. (laughs) You don't have time for this. And guess what? In a few weeks, somehow, you will have time for three kids instead of two kids. Somehow. I know. Right? I know. Yeah. Like, the more we can clean up our minds around busyness and tired and unmotivated, those are only stories that we're telling ourselves. There is nothing factual about what we believe <laughs> those things to be at all. You Nobody is so too right. busy to be a, Nobody. Nobody. Because can you imagine a day that you have a super packed schedule and you've just got a ton of a ton of things coming at you that day and you know you do. Would you let the thing in your day that makes you feel the best and that allows you to put out there to the rest of the world the best version of you? Would you let that slip to the side? Never. I wouldn't. Never. I wouldn't. And so it's, it is just like, it's like brushing your teeth. Like, yeah, you're not going to go out in public without brushing your teeth. Hopefully not. (laughs) But (laughs) unless you forget, you're probably not going to. Exactly. Like you're not too busy to pee, right? Right. Your day is never going to be that busy because your day is not that busy because busy is stupid. But that's my point. Like you're going to make time to have lunch. You're going to make time to go to the bathroom. You can absolutely make time for yoga. You make time for what you want to make time for period. End of story. And anybody who wants to talk about busyness, I would love to talk with them. (laughs) (laughs) Busyness. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't get it. Then you're working too much or you're, you're letting your job suck too much from you 
so that you can't create this person to give to the rest of your, your family and the world. I don't know. Anyway. Well, and one last note about busyness, like it's always a choice, right? You choose to let your job take over your life. You choose to let your kids' activities take over your life. You choose to stay up too late watching Netflix so that you're tired in the morning when the alarm goes off for yoga. You choose what you want. And I know that sometimes it seems like, oh, but this is expected at work. My kids need this, whatever. Look at it again. You're choosing all of it. You truly don't have to do any of it ever. Right. And And I mean, I get it. Like some people don't have daycare at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. where they have one spouse has to, one person has to leave the house to go to work. Other person can't get up. I get it. There's those circumstances, but what you're saying about choosing, you're exactly right. You know, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the beauty of something like adamantine, like take a break from the studio. If you have to, like, I get it for sure. I haven't been in a studio situation for years and it's partly because I live three hours away from, <laughs> right. from Des Moines right. and James or from you. Um, but it's also partly because that's what fit into my life. I practice at home every single day on my own. And it's like, of course it fits into my life. Right. right? Like I had to make the choice. My husband leaves early for work. So I can't go to the yoga studio first thing in the morning. So guess what? I practice at home. Right. You know. And that makes sense and that works. And I think that the model that James is putting out there with this new, with his new online course, it completely resonates with that and is, is so beneficial because that's, I think the story for a lot of people, but it's not something that you would choose to give up. And what is your experience like when you, from practicing at home to when you go to the studio, then what's the, what's the (laughs) difference there? And what do you, okay. what do you experience? I guess. This is such a good question. Um, cause it's different. <laughs> it's way different, isn't it? Yeah. I just had a student message me who hadn't, she physically can't come to the studio right now and she's taking a break. And she just messaged me yesterday saying, Oh my gosh, when I was able to come to class last week, it was a night and day difference. I can't even believe how much you practice differently when you're amongst peers and amongst other people who are doing the same thing. 100% believe it. 100% get it. Yes. Yes. For me, okay, there's a couple differences. One, it's just a different atmosphere and floor and everything to be at home alone. And when I start my yoga, the house is still sleeping. By the time I'm done, usually both boys are up and getting breakfast and getting dressed and stuff. So um, when I start, it's really, it's super quiet. There's nobody around. So when I go to the studio, one of the best things that I love about being in the studio is that there's so many people breathing. It's one of the coolest things to be immersed in everybody's breath like Mm that. Um it's also super distracting. (laughs) It's also very much like, what's that guy doing? Or dang, that was a great handstand or whatever. And I, it's, it's encouraged me to be super conscious, not only of how distractible (laughs) I can be and how easy it is for me to be pulled off course. But more importantly, my ego get super involved when I'm in the studio in front of people versus when I'm home. And it's been very interesting um, (laughs) to see what I'm capable of. And I like, I went to my coach, my life coach about my yoga practice (laughs) because I was like, you should have seen me in the studio. Like I killed it. I nailed the poses I never do at home. I just busted out in the studio. Like it was no big deal. And she was like, well, what do you think's going on there? You know, first of all, it's ego. But second of all, like up leveling your own practice, committing to your own practice, having true integrity with your own practice is a whole different ballgame doing it for yourself than it is when you've got a teacher or peers around you. Yeah. 
And I don't even really know what else to say about that other than that it's a fact. And I think it's super important to be aware of. And I think it's super fascinating. And I always just kind of treat my mind as a science experiment. That's <laughs> a good like, idea. All right, let's see what thoughts I'm going to think today while I'm in the studio. Well, it's so easy <laughs> when you're practicing on your own to just let some things slide or to like, oh, I'm just not really feeling it today. Or, and I'll tell you the past couple of days with my practice and I've been able to practice during class time. That's the only thing I think that has probably kept me on my mat for my entire practice is that I'm in the studio with my students <laughs> because yeah. I am so uncomfortable right now with some things. And I'm just having a couple days where pregnancy is getting the better of me and my, my physical body just feels it. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's also, you know, that's an interesting point too, because there's the integrity slash ego, if we are leaving it unchecked piece, but there's also the surrender piece. Like I was noticing too, to get like really TMI about things. Like when I ovulate, I have it like, I feel terrible. I feel awful. And it's important for me to back off that day. Mm -hmm. And that I'm 99% sure would happen whether I was in the studio or not, that it would just be like, this is it today. You just have to go easier that day. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good to know. And that's good. It's a good reminder that we can't always push through and it's not safe and it's not healthy to push through something that is uncomfortable. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. you do just have to say, I got to stay on my mat and practice because that's what's going to make me focus. <laughs> and that's what's going to make me, um, I don't know, feel a little bit better. In my case, I feel like it's the maybe take some of the swelling out of my ankles or my feet right now. <laughs> but yeah, no, depending but that's on whatever, the day. I mean, in any season in our life, in any phase of our practice, like the thoughts, who am I going to be after this practice? How am I going to feel after this practice? That those questions always serve me. So true. you know that it's like I always have a choice, and yeah. I have, like, like you said, I can really let myself off the hook. I could do like child's pose and shavasana and call it a right. day, right? <laughs> or not? Like exactly. I could stay in bed. Exactly. Um, but I like those questions always serve me to be like, who am I going to be after this practice? What is possible for my day? Yeah. Am when I going to regret like this when I'm done? Probably Never. not. <laughs> Never. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So kind of along those lines then from a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual state or idea, how has this practice changed you over the years? Okay. So, um, I came into yoga years and years ago. Well, I said, so I took my first yoga class when I was in college and in college, I danced with the Milwaukee Ballet. So I did not know um, that. There you go. Yeah. Amazing. I was still, well, it's like I knew that I needed this movement outlet. I was in engineering school. Like I had no designs on the idea that I was going to be a professional dancer, right? <laughs> I knew that was not in the cards. Instead, for me. you're a professional yogi. Right. <laughs> well, and what's funny is I can remember one of my ballet teachers pulling me aside. And it was like she thought she was breaking this news to me. Like, you know <laughs> that you're not going to be a professional ballerina. And I was like, I'm in engineering school. Like, I just, yeah, I do know that I'm not going to be a professional ballerina. But she told me, she was like, you know what, you should try. And this was in the 90s, right? So this was a hot minute ago. She was like, you should try yoga. Well, that was still a weird thing. And you couldn't find yoga studios on every corner. Mm -hmm. You couldn't even find Starbucks on every corner. Like, this was a while ago, folks. Yeah. Right? No cell phone. <laughs> this was a while ago. I know. So that's kind of how I started my first yoga class was um, maybe you should try this kind of movement instead. Right? And so physically, coming from the world of dance, coming from the world of ballet, you would have thought I would have had the utmost flexibility and maybe even strength at my fingertips. But I can tell you, and I so wish that I had either videos or photos of my start with adamantine even, because even though yoga progressed my flexibility and my strength enormously, 
adamantine has taken it to the next level. There are things that I can do now that I could never do as a dancer ever. Um, which of course now, like understanding the sequencing of adamantine, it's not a surprise to me, Right. but it's always kind of been like a, huh? Like even when I was 16, I couldn't do this, you know, and I was dancing all the time. So physically, I think those have been some of the benefits that, um, things like dancing, running. I was a runner for a long time. Um, never, ever felt good, looked great, or um, was as flexible and strong as I am now, which I think is cool because I'm only older. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so, so physically, I would say that's for sure. Um, mentally, I think there's a lot that goes into getting yourself on the mat to move yourself through these wacky poses every single day. And I think that daily commitment, I, I can't even imagine honestly what that has done for me, but I'm so much stronger mentally for sure. Um, spiritually, I feel like it's given me an outlet that I didn't have before. I'm not a religious person. My husband's not a religious person. This is kind of this is kind of where I go to be quiet and to connect. And um, so I think spiritually it's been really important because I think that was a vacuum for me otherwise. Yeah. And um, emotionally, I can honestly tell you that I I showed up. Um, with yoga altogether as this idea that it was going to calm me down because I'm a very <laughs> naturally anxious sort of neurotic high strung person mm -hmm. and many, many people, not just that ballet teacher who was, you know, breaking the bad news about my <laughs> right. sexual future. <laughs> um, many people had suggested yoga to me. Like I said, before yoga was even accessible, people were suggesting yoga to me. Um, so I think it's been emotionally, one of the most important tools I talk a lot as a coach and I have experienced, you know, when you're an anxious person and your body's always in that stress response cycle, it's important to complete that stress response cycle and to give your body a way to funnel the energy of anxiety and stress. That's really healthy and that's really nourishing and that's useful. That's valuable. And yoga, it's like whether I'm feeling anxious and stressed or whether I'm feeling great Yoga is a daily, hour-long stress response cycle completion mechanism. And that is so powerful emotionally for everything else that happens in my day. For sure. That is so good. I, that was yeah. one of my questions. Like, how do you, as an anxiety and as a life coach, um, why would you recommend this to someone? You yeah. know, how, how do you speak to those people who their excuse for not trying yoga Mm -hmm. or not giving it a chance is that they can't quiet their mind or there <laughs> there's too much going on. They're just too, I don't know. They're yeah. going too much to be able to take time to be quiet and be still. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Cause it's like somebody telling me they're too hungry to eat. I know. Right. Like, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm too cold for a blanket. I'm like, I'm, what are you talking about right, right now? <laughs> right. Right. Um, My favorite is I, it's like saying you're not, you can't lift weights because you're not strong enough. Well, yeah, that's not <laughs> it. You lift weights to get stronger. Right. A lot. Right. I feel like a lot of the, sometimes though, the excuse that you can't quiet your mind or still your mind is simply saying you choose not to, you know, you choose not to even explore the realm of wanting to be able to be quiet or be still. For sure. So. For sure. And, you know, I always, James told me years ago, um, this idea, and I have used this both as a yoga teacher and as a life coach is that treat people, first of all, like you're going to see them forever. So it doesn't always have to be a fire hose of like, here's all the best information and here's everything you need to learn and implement it right now. But also, you know, planting seeds with people and like anybody that I meet who I'm having a conversation, not anybody I meet, I'm not super annoying about like everybody should be in coaching and doing yoga. I 
it's not everybody I meet. Right. Right. <laughs> everybody that I meet that I'm talking to in like a professional capacity. Let me say it that way. Right. Anybody who would kind of challenge that um, they weren't ready or they, they weren't still enough or that they didn't have the capability to, to be a yogi type of person. Um, I just like planting seeds with those people and saying like, well, you know, maybe. And whether it's me, whether it's coaching or whether it's yoga, whether they decide to work with me or whether they find a yoga teacher or a different life coach in five years, like no matter, that's totally fine. But I love the idea that we could plant seeds with people and just make suggestions to them that it's like, but what if you were the kind of person who practiced yoga every day? What if you were the kind of person who was super strong and super flexible and had a super clean mind? Right. What would that look like? What would that? Yeah. Like what would that version of yourself get to accomplish today Mm -hmm. and like this year and in your life? Just I don't know, like consider it. And Mm -hmm. like I said, if they ever show up great, if they don't great. And if they show up with somebody else, like so much, the better. That's wonderful. You know, exactly. Exactly. Good. Okay. So big question. How has adamantine yoga brought health, harmony and happiness into your life? Yeah. Um, I would say that adamantine yoga has provided a touchstone for me that nothing else provides meaning like health wise when you do the same sequence of yoga every day and you start tweaking your diet let's say or you start tweaking your sleep schedule or you start tweaking movement outside of yoga whatever it looks like right you've got this touchstone to return to to like compare it's like, okay, here's how pizza and ice cream feels in my body. Good to know. Here's how salad and grilled chicken feels in my body. Good to know, right? N- n- not even that one is right or wrong, but it's just like adamantine yoga, this style in particular provides a touchstone because it stays consistent and because we show up with all the crap or all the goods and it gives ourselves this really natural way to touch in with like what's true for me and my body. So I would say that's definitely the health piece is that I've been able to check in with, with food, with sleep. I've quit drinking, which is huge for me. Um, and like, I can tell you exactly what yoga looks like hungover (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, like really foggy and messy. I can like, I know all of that stuff. I've done it all. But I also now know what yoga looks like for going on two years, like without any alcohol, with no neurotoxins, jet fuel, (laughs) crap in my body. And it's a totally different practice. And I don't know if I would have appreciated, I totally would have appreciated that I never had a hangover again. But I don't know if I would have really got how significant the shift is without adamantine yoga, adamantine in particular. Because I think a willy-nilly kind of haphazard, you know, doing this sequence today and doing this other sequence tomorrow, I don't think would have given me the same comparison. Right. So that's definitely the health piece. Harmony-wise, I think, like, with the four tenets of adamantine and with the thought work that I do as a coach and with, um, I yeah, I think the harmony piece is really, like, again, this gives me an anchor of bringing all of that together, of touching on all of that stuff. And it's like, am I living harmoniously? Am I bringing harmony to my life? Am I living my yoga off my mat, right? How harmonious am I being with myself, with my kids, with my family, with my work? Um, Yeah. So I think the harmony piece is, again, like this is the anchor Mm -hmm. and it helps reflect all of that back to me. And happiness. So James sometimes will say that adamantine is fun. It's super fulfilling. It is super challenging. It's super satisfying. It is one of the best things that I do every single day. (laughs) But I think happiness, like true joy, comes from the fulfilling, challenging, satisfying part of it. Like, (laughs) Like when he said it was fun, I was like, no. 
no, there are other things that are fun. <laughs> um, like a water balloon fight is fun. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. Um, it's not lasting joy. It doesn't even really create real connection with people, but it's fun. Right. I think the happiness and the joy piece of this comes from how hard it is and sometimes how unfun it is and the commitment piece. So when I think of happiness, I think of like true deep joy, like the lasting goodness in our lives. And I think (laughs) the unfun part of adamantine is what actually brings me the most happiness. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. But it's yeah. in those those most challenging parts and the unfun parts that that's the hardest work that you have to do on yourself so that you can maintain and, and find that happiness. 100%. For sure. For sure. Yeah. If it were all fun, it would just be like, well, I mean, to some extent, like, what's the point? I yeah. truly believe we have this 50-50 balance in life where it's like, 50% of it is just going to suck. 50% is going to be hard. 50% is going to be difficult. But 50% is going to be amazing. And it's going to feel so wonderful. And it's going to be so aligned and connected and just good. Right? And and it's in accepting this 50-50 balance <laughs> and like the unfun with the pure joy of right. adamantine that I'm like, that's the magic. Right? Yeah. Can you show up and do something that's pretty wild and pretty intense. And I mean, it's hard, right? And then lay in Shavasana at the end of it and be like, I slayed it. Like I yeah. killed it. So such satisfaction. So good. Totally. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Um, so you are a life coach and you specialize primarily in anxiety, right? So that's actually the theme of your podcast. So tell people where they can find you and how they can find you. Yeah, thank you. So yes, I've got a podcast because that's what we do now, right? Just right. podcast <laughs> called the Transforming Anxiety Podcast because that is, like you said, the work I do as a life coach. Um, I truly, I have this vision. Like 20 years ago, if you had told me that you had an acupuncturist and a chiropractor and a dietitian and a yoga teacher and a masseuse, I would have been like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like people would have thought that was insane. Right. Yeah. And nowadays nobody blinks at that. They're like, of course you're taking that much care of your physical health. Like that only makes sense that you have a team of people that you're hiring to help you take care of your physical health. And my vision and my hope is that life coach is going to be added to that list and that it's going to become so commonplace that people are like, of course, I've got a personal trainer and a life coach and an acupuncturist and a chiropractor. Like, of course, that's what's happening. Because when we're taking care of our mental and emotional health and coaching is all about, you know, I think about just briefly, like the difference between therapy and coaching, therapy kind of looks to our past and looks to what needs to be healed and what needs to be understood and digested and processed. And for so many people, that's so, that's exactly where they need to be, right? There's so much trauma. There's so much healing that needs to happen. Coaching is where we really kind of draw a line in the sand. And from this point, we're looking towards the future and we're saying like, who do you want to be? What do you want to create? How do you want to feel? And it's all about, you know, setting goals feeling, you know, creating the feelings and actions that you want in the world and being the truest, best, highest version of yourself. And, um, and you can't always do that alone. Oh my gosh. The perspective. You can't do it alone. I, this, I have two coaches. I have two coaches (laughs) because we can't No, I mean, I think it would be like trying to give yourself an adjustment on your back. You can't do it alone. And nobody blinks an eye about hiring a chiropractor for that or hiring an acupuncturist for that. Um, But for some reason, we feel like this skill set of managing our minds and managing our emotions, which, P.S., nobody ever taught us, right? Like, in high school, nobody pulls us aside and is like, okay, great job with the algebra. Way to go on the Shakespeare. P.S., now we're going to talk about how you actually achieve everything you want to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. Nobody says that to us, right? but no worries. That's what life coaches are for. Here we are now. (laughs) Like it's all fine. That's the work we do. But 
it truly is my vision that that life coach gets added to the list and that people really start appreciating more and more. And I think it's happening that we have to caretake for our mental and emotional health. And ironically, our physical health benefits from our mental and emotional health. So there's honestly fewer things that we have to hire out. There's fewer things that we have to clean up with, you know, somebody outside of us when we're managing our mind around it. I mean, we were talking earlier about like, how do you stay committed? How do you stay motivated? A lot of that is by cleaning up my mind around who I want to be, you know? So I bring like my coaching into my mindset around my yoga. And then I don't need the accountability of a studio necessarily, or the accountability of a teacher who's like, well, where were you today? Cause I've got that for myself. I get to create that for myself. Right. So all of that said, yes. So I'm a life coach. I have the transforming anxiety podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and all the places. And my website is Kelly Hanlon McCormick.com Hanlon, because there's a lot of Kelly McCormick's out there, folks. <laughs> So I will put all of this. I will link to all of this too. So, oh, awesome! Thank you. So they will be able to find it. Yeah, but there's all sorts. The podcasts are all on my website, and most of my podcasts have a free downloadable goodie, like a worksheet or a cheat sheet or some sort of guide that goes along with them. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, you Kelly puts a ton of work into into her podcast and making it accessible and. And they're short and sweet and easy to listen to. And she just, I mean, if you didn't get it today, like she has a ton of amazing perspective on things. So it's, it's amazing to listen to her podcast. So go out and listen so that you can benefit more from her. So you're so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today to, to chat and enlighten us on your perspective of being a student um, a teacher, a coach, all those avenues of, of using adamantine yoga. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. No, I'm honored to be here and I'm super excited for the work that you're doing in the world. So thank you, Kathy, really for inviting me on. It means a lot. You're welcome. Oh, so much fun. Thank you so much, Kelly, for taking the time out of your day to visit with me. If you want to get in touch with Kelly or learn more about what she does with helping transform anxiety, you can schedule a free 15-minute coaching session with her and get her free Transforming Anxiety ebook at kellyhanlinmccormick.com backslash coaching. You can also access her podcast on that website, kellyhanlinmccormick.com backslash podcast, where you can get a whole bunch of freebies and worksheets that go with the Transforming Anxiety podcast each week, which can also be found on your favorite app for podcast listening. That's it for today. Head on over to cairnyogawellness.com to get the show notes and links for today's episode. And follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Cairn Yoga Wellness to continue connecting with more resources that could help you enhance health, harmony, and happiness in your own life. Subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again for listening.